0: Hi, it's Nick Brown, Editor-in-Chief of Archives of Disease In Childhood. Welcome to February's Atoms. So what's going on? It's now almost exactly 50 years since the release of Marvin Gaye's seminal album, one of the few records really worthy of this accolade. The fruit of months of work with the Funk Brothers and Berry Gordy at the Hitsville USA studio in Detroit. Why do I mention this now? Isn't it rather tangential? Well, not completely. Anniversary aside, simply because of themes of social breakdown, the surge in mental illness in Vietnam veterans, and here he really was ahead of his time, the environment in Mercy Mercy Me, for example. The title, of course, didn't clearly deliberately include a question mark. It's more of a statement reminding us that, like many of these papers, how far we still have to go. I still love it for its prescience, continued relevance and its beauty. Opening doors. We all have moments either in our recollective lockers or stored up in the this could easily happen to me cortex. What if I'd facilitated or done more than focus on the examination because it was a Friday afternoon, not allowed myself to ignore my gut feeling on the basis of a normal blood workup? These are the children with benign appearing symptoms of, let's say, abdominal pain, dysuria, intermittent headaches, are chalked up to functional abdominal pain, constipation, migraine, but are in reality a somatization of abuse, a diagnosis that no lab test will corroborate. Pain, after all, whatever the source, always signifies a discomfort. And these are the children you hear about through adolescent psychiatry a decade or so after that first consultation in year one, typically on a Friday afternoon. The end of clinic type notes, now vaguely embarrassing, dare I say. That first consultation becomes, and I defy anyone reading or listening to say they haven't had one, a closing door and turn the lock moment in the same way that certain questions and styles of questions can do. These single moments teaching us more than a hundred courses ever could. This is by way of leading into two wonderful pieces, leading article by the late Ruth Marchant, Jamie Carter and Charlie Fairhurst, part of the Triangle organisation, and accompanying editorial by Jeff DeBell and Robin Powell, illustrate the delicacies, interactive and legal, of the tantalising consultation where a child whose symptoms appear functional and you sense might be at the point of wanting to say more. This was an easy editor's choice of the month. Scorch. Many of us remember the intense and, let's be honest, sometimes rather dull, debate on neonatal ward rounds, certainly as recently as 20 years ago, over how far, among other symptoms, a growth-restricted neonate should be investigated in the absence of, inverted commas, an obvious reason. Voices would become raised a notch, think strident here, over whether this was symmetrical or asymmetrical, even though definitions were largely subjective, and so it would go on. Some found it entertaining, others less so. The acronym of choice in that era was TORCH, easy to remember, but as we now know, slightly naive in the reliance on serology and eminence-based medicine, rather than direct testing. The piece by Justin Penner and colleagues gently eviscerates, if you allow me the oxymoron, some of the mythology in this area, and reconstruct the approach, giving us, rather than torch, scorch, both user-friendly and pragmatic. Another thought struck me as I was writing this paragraph. Reflecting on this, there's an additional spoke which I don't think we do very well. The first point of contact tends to be on the neonatal unit or postnatal wards, but shouldn't we routinely be meeting and preparing more high-risk women for the postnatal course in the antenatal clinic, where there's often a clue on serological testing and what is around the corner. School opening and COVID-19. I wrote this piece three or four weeks ago in the middle of December. And at the time of writing, it was current and topical. It still is, but things have changed rapidly even since then. Keeping abreast with COVID is not easy. With a vaccine launch, a new UK viral strain currently, among other pandemic-related issues, competing for headline space, it's impossible to gauge what the situation might be when this edition thuds onto your doormats. The component parts of the risk-benefit equation in terms of school opening or reopening and infection transmission, though, will be largely unaffected. As Russell Viner and colleagues remind us, think depression, child abuse, school meals, Exercise, and largely beyond the UK, teenage marriage, teenage pregnancy, family finances, the long-term educational and emotional impact on children unable to reach their academic potential and policies, of course, don't need to be mutually exclusive. The arrival in the last few days of a new COVID-19 variant, seemingly more transmissible, and the closing of borders around Europe might demand some remodelling but the general principles do not. Global Child Health, Unwell Young Infants Part One. Among other papers, Christina Obiero and colleagues reassessment of the performance of the WHO meningitis algorithm in infants aged under two months in a large Kenyan referral center in the post-conjugate era. These babies, of course, would not themselves have been vaccinated, but due to herd immunity, the number of cases of streptococcus pneumonia and Haemophilus influenzae type B meningitis were very small compared to their early mid-2000s study counterparts in the pre-vaccination days. Fever unsurprisingly enhanced sensitivity but reduced specificity, important in the antibacterial resistance era, a time at which arguably we should be doing rather more than fewer lumbar punctures, a skill we shouldn't be losing. Unwell Young Infants Part 2 The original PECAN test validation for serious bacterial infection, or SBI, in febrile young infants was derived and validated in US children. It showed high promise, and though likely generalizable, Robert Velasco and colleagues tested this assumption in a secondary analysis of a group of northern Spanish children. The test missed 4.5% of SBI in low-risk children, where the original study had missed only 2.3%. By my rough estimation, this equates to a number needed to miss of approximately 45. On the face of it, a 95% sensitivity is pretty good. But is it as good as it could be? Well, interpretations will vary, and they always do, but reasonable... Depends surely on the provision of additional safety netting for the 2% extra or so that elude the screen in this group compared to the original American one. What's gone on? Somehow, though Marvin Gaye appeared to be ruminating over the end of the 1960s, the record could equally easily have been made with 2020 2021 in mind. Maybe somehow it was. Your homework? today is to discuss. I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out the website for other manuscripts, adc.bmj.com. There's a lot more there too. Bye for now.